Welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. Hope everyone is having a solid week. It's been a relentless summer of new music, but there's always these really awesome standout releases, and that includes this week's guests. Fresh put out an incredible record titled Withdraw, which is one of the most energetic and reflective releases I've ever heard, and one of the most impactful of 2019. The London-based band has unleashed an unapologetically vocal and strong album that pulls no punches when it comes to energy and feminism. Catherine joined me to talk about writing the record, finding the friends to help push her music forward, the stage as a safe place, and the opportunities ahead for this really awesome band. So with that, let's turn it over to Fresh and hear from Catherine. Catherine to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Uh, having a nice time. I've got some green, some herbal green matcha. I don't know what tea that smells like licorice, but it doesn't taste like licorice, which Ooh. is 
good because I don't like licorice. <laughs> How are you? I'm pretty good. I've had my coffee because um, mm-hmm. uh, it's afternoon for you, morning for me. So oh, like, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice though. I feel so productive already because I'm like I've had a cup or two of coffee and it's it's a nice chill day. So and I get to talk to you. So it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm so happy to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me of course um as soon as i like started listening to your music i was very quickly obsessed fresh is amazing <laughs> thank you thanks i think you're actually my most anticipated band of fest this year just just oh saying that <laughs> that's so cool like um i do you know the facebook group uh fest friends yeah i do I post, yeah i posted in it and was just like hello I will be here um, and I like, I don't know, posting in Facebook groups is normally just like whatever, but like the response was immediately so like friendly and welcoming. Um, and that made me feel like suddenly a lot more like excited rather than nervous, which is good. Um, it seems like I, I, like I've never been to fest, so it seems like the, the atmosphere is really welcoming. It really is. Um, I've been going for like, I think almost, I think this year might be my seventh year. Six wow. or seven. And yeah, it's it's so great for <laughs> bands from all over, whether you're from the US or from the UK or we get bands from Mexico and everything. And like, wow. it's just, it, it always feels like such an awesome environment and you feel like you're in like the most chill community. So shout out mm-hmm. to Fest for that reason alone. <laughs> and like, that's really hard because the bigger your festival gets, the harder it is to keep that welcoming aspect, I think, just sheer practicality. So yeah. that is really cool. I like like big festivals that have a lot of bands, a lot mm-hmm. of things going on, but still manage to keep the kind of community aspect. Yeah, you end up, the more that you go, the more you feel like you're joining in on this really special family reunion. That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> My friend um, Tom uh, played last year, I think, and he brought me back a fest bum bag. So I already feel like I'm in like the, the, um, the club. Oh, um, even or, better. Yeah, is that what you call them, the America bum bags? I was like, oh, I need to translate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. Cause I was like, bum pack, bum pack. Yes. Yes. That is a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For some reason my brain first went to like, cause when I hear like pack or bag, I'm just like, I think of like totes still like where you put your records in. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. The classic merch staple. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I love it. But I'm so glad that Tom brought that back for you. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think I actually, wait, um, I think I actually met this, the same Tom, actually, at like my live podcast show and stuff. Yeah, um, he mentioned that he went. And it yeah. was just like, shortly after I started listening to it for the first time. Oh, so, thanks like, for listening. Yeah, because I, I started listening and then you did a live s- screening or like a live performance. I don't know how yeah. you would say it showing (laughs) Um, but yeah and like that was really exciting as well and it just made me like happy to see like other women doing kind of punk stuff but in different mediums I suppose different visuals that was really cool oh thank you (laughs) shout out to Tom for sharing that that's for sure I'm pretty sure Tom's listening because Tom Lee yeah it's so cool well I'm so excited to be able to have all that experience with you and get to actually hang out with you and talk about all the things that you do. But, you know, for everybody listening, this Mm. is an awesome time to get to know Fresh and get to know you as a musician. Um, Catherine, how did you kind of first find your way into music? 
Um, I mean, I, I was quite late into music. I started liking punk or like more specifically My Chemical Romance. Oh, great. Um, I was like 14. Um, and that's when I saw them live. Um, and it was the first show I'd ever been to. I wasn't really, um, my family's not musical. Uh, I wasn't musical growing up. I really like, I loved singing, but I couldn't play instruments. Um, and I got an acoustic for my 14th birthday. It all just happened at once. Um, and then I played and sang in school choir and we did tours. We went to Paris and Hong Kong and we like sang everywhere and I loved singing, but I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really good at technical stuff. I don't have to be able to play an instrument. And then, but I really liked guitar and I just kind of kept playing alone in my room. And then that, that eventually wasn't like as satisfying anymore. And I just kind of bit the bullet and started playing live in practice rooms um and then that wasn't enough anymore play I, I played actually I played bass not guitar um because I had this kind of it's not true but at the time I was like 15 16 and I thought that bass was easier to kind of go undetected because it's very like a rhythmic kind of deeper mm-hmm. instrument I thought oh, okay I can just play bass I can just like hang back I don't want to play guitar um, I play bass in uh, other people's bands, but we never played a show. We just play in, you know, studios. And then that wasn't enough anymore. And I was like, oh, I think I could write some songs. I've got got some shit to say, but oh, I'd have to play guitar because I can't write on bass. Oh. And then I was like, well, I have to do it. And then, um, and then I started fresh. And then it kind of, it just keeps escalating. And I think that's just the way, it always just escalates. And then suddenly you're on a plane and you're like, why? Because... <laughs> Because I love doing it, but it's always being in situations that are a bit nerve-wracking <laughs> and a bit scary, which I think is the point. Um, but yeah, it's just been a series of kind of like daring myself to do things and then not backing down from the daring. That's yeah. so cool, though, because you're just kind of pushing yourself as you get that kind of like curiosity and need to express yourself further in that sense. And I like that Fresh was an evolution of that. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think we're still very much in evolution and I'm excited to see what happens next. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so neat. Well, I know you mentioned like My Chemical Romance being one of the first like bands that you got to see live. Um, I'm kind of wondering what other, what other uh, maybe musicians influenced you? Mm, um, My Chemical Romance were really big um, in terms of influence, like for that kind of Mm -hmm. punkness. I think Jared Way was always really flamboyant on stage and they weren't a kind of macho band. What else? Um, I got a bit older and I kind of started getting into songwriters kind of stuff. I really, I felt for for years, I I really liked the Mountain Goats. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way way John Daniel wrote was uh, really important to me growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like became active and storytelling, um, which I try to do. and I'm definitely, uh, maybe not consciously, but definitely am influenced by John Daniel. Um, and then I really got into Hopalong because it felt kind of like a, a stepping stone. It's that same kind of really intricate, detailed storytelling. But Frances's voice is just yes. incredible. And the way she conveys her lyrics and the way she tells her story. I loved that. I thought they were, the first time I heard Hopalong, I was like, this is weird. Like, I was like it was it was it was kind of uncanny because it sounds like indie punk but then you listen to it and it's so different from any other like indie punk band yeah Um, and it's like completely unique how she sings and I feel like at that time 
people always want to tell you that all bands with women in them or with vocals with women sound the same, but this band sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. So that was really cool. Um, Bikini Kill was super important to me. Um, in fact, that was the first time I ever heard the word, um, and it's a slur, but the word dyke in a positive context. In sure. Um, so feel free to, um, maybe I should, I should have pre-warned before saying that, but <laughs> that, as somebody who, who, who isn't straight, yeah. maybe who didn't know it at the time, I was like, why do I like this song so much? Why do I connect to this song so much? Um, but it's because it was such a positive kind of like, um, like, uh, unashamed song, I suppose. So like just bands like that. Um, and yeah, I, there's a million more, but I, I'm blanking in the moment. <laughs> No, those are like a really great range of influences and stuff to apply to like as you're learning music and maybe even what you go, how you go about your songwriting because like bands like Hopalong and Bikini Kill are very like honest in their songwriting and stuff. And I feel like that's something that you've accomplished in your music too. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I love that. Just that the fact that they, they are playing just because they want to mm-hmm. and just because they have this need to convey something. Like, I think that's, that's at the bare bones of it. That's why you should make music, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you were able to kind of translate that similar energy, it seems like, to starting fresh. How did you land on that name? And um, how did Fresh sort of begin? Oh, you know, I, I remember being like 17 or 16 in my best friend's bedroom. And we were thinking of band names. And I was like, I just came up with fresh and I don't have any like reasoning or like any particular story behind it. I thought it was a cool word. I wanted it to be something like, I didn't really have any other ideas either. And I remember Googling it to make sure no other band had it. And um, there was a band, a French band called the fresh and I don't think they're a band anymore. Um, but I remember being like, Oh, Oh, I'm all over. Like I was like, Oh, it doesn't matter. And then um, it was originally an idea I had with my best friend and then she got, she didn't, she wasn't really into playing in a band in the end. So I found, um, uh, what was it? I was 18. Yeah. So I had the idea for the band and the concept. And then for like a year, I kind of just wrote a few songs on it because it was just kind of this fantasy thing in my head. And I was like, oh, I've got this band. No one else knows, but it's my band. And it was just this really cool thing I had. Um, and then I met James, who played guitar and fresh. He was a bit older, um, and I played at the time. This I'm trying to remember the timeline because it's a bit. Bleh, but at the time, I played bass in his band, who were called the Elizabeths. And we never played a show. We never recorded, but um, we would practice. And then I was like, "Well, will you play guitar on my um, stuff?" And also, I know you have uh, like logic, and you know how to do stuff like that. So, can I also? Can you also record us? And can you also make our music? And he was like, "I think it, James was so instrumental in the beginning because he was just so. I think he saw like a potential, and I think he was he was way more excited than I was, and kind of was like, "This is so good." And I was like, "Oh no!" And he was like, "No." <laughs> come on, um, let's do this, like, Saturday, come to mine, we'll have breakfast, and then you can record the vocals for the song, and um, that's how we made Going Chum, like, which is the really early, fresh EP, and it has Get Bent on it in, like, a really um, scrappy way, and, like, um, we made another EP like that, um, what else happened, yeah, and then, then after that, we put it on Bandcamp, and I wasn't really expecting anything, but people were quite into it, um, and that was really exciting. 
Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, let's play some shows because that's what I actually wanted to do. Like playing live is, my, I, I, recording is fine, but I like playing. Um, so we had to find a drummer and a bassist. Um, what did I do? So I went to a show of a band. They're quite, they're quite well known in the UK. They're called Narwhals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. Um, I went to a show, uh, an Narwhal show and I met a guy called Sarush. Um, and he played bass on the second Fresh EP and live with us for a while. Um, and he was like, I know a guy who plays drums. Um, and he was called Diaz. And he was, at the time, I was 18, he was 15. So he was super young, but he was an incredible drummer. And he, he was a multi-instrumentalist. He was super talented. He was a bit too young. So he recorded with us and he played some London shows with us. But uh, I kind of knew that for touring, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarush also had another band going on and he wasn't really working out. So um, then we played a London show with a band called Sad Blood. Um, and the drummer was called, uh, George, it was his band. It was like an emo band. So uh, James and I really gelled with George and Dan. Um, we knew that Sarush and Diaz couldn't tour. So we said, let's do a tour together. Not even a tour, let's do like three shows together. Um, and you guys can fill in, uh, you know, do a double, a double shift. And they were like, yeah, we'd love to. They were really into Fresh. I and mean, we, I really liked Sad Blood. So, uh, after that tour, we played so well together that they did not leave. And so Fresh became James, George, Dan and me. And it was like that for the first album and for a lot of tours. Mm-hmm. Um, did we go to Europe together with James? I can't remember. Um, no, we didn't. Um, so then after the first album, it wasn't really working with James. Um, and we needed a new guitarist. And we played lots of shows with Me Rex, which is like a kind of folky, like um, really cool songwriting project uh, by Miles, Miles McCabe. Um, I really liked Me Rex. We played shows together. I knew him vaguely. I didn't really know him very well, but he seemed like a really cool person. So I was like, would you like to maybe play Guitars and Fresh? And um, he like learned all the songs in like five hours. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I went around to his house and we jammed the songs out. And I was like, oh wow, he's really good at guitar. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I think we went skateboarding after that. Um, and yeah, it, it clicked. Um, he came to a practice and like George and Dan were like super, got on with him super well. I was like, oh, like fuck. And then like two weeks later, we went on like a two week tour. Um, so he like joined the band and went straight to touring and it was in support of the album the, the debut album oh awesome and, but he didn't say it but you know he learned all james's parts and he did it and then we got back from the two-week tour and we went straight into a european tour with happy accidents and that was super well and then that's that's the fresh miles george dan me that's fresh now um and that was the fresh that wrote um withdraw um, and I think listening to it, you can kind of hear the difference. I think, you know, if, especially if you're, you're the, the songwriter and you're the singer, people are like, oh, it's, it's just this person, but it's, it's not at all. Like, and the songs sound, I think the song sounds so more like more confident and more assured because like we all are a unit and we know how to work together and write together and tour together and, um, not get on each other's nerves. Basically. <laughs> That's so, important. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. And so now it's 2019 and that is fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. 
though. And it's really great that you kind of found this solid unit that you can play with for this current record and going forward, it sounds like, because um, it's always nice when you have a variety of different people that are kind of like contributing to your sound. Yeah, and like, that doesn't take away from the hard work that Diaz, Sarush and James did. Like mm -hmm. without them, especially without James pushing me to record and pushing me to play, like probably maybe you wouldn't have played or, you know, would have, you know, been less, um, less confident and that could have affected Fresh. Um, but, you know, like, I think, I think there's like this, you know, there's nothing, like, especially if you start a band when you're quite young, it, it would worry me a bit if you started a band when you were 17 and then, at, you know, you're all in your 20s and you're all together still, I'd be like, where's the musical growth? Where's yeah. the profession? I mean, some people do, and that's great. Like, I know a couple bands, but I think it's totally fine to to switch around and to to evolve. I think that's fine. <laughs> Definitely, and like you know, your previous members of the band were still part of the journey. They helped cultivate you in that sense and mm -hmm. help shape you. You probably shaped each other in that sense for how they approach their projects going forward in that sense too. So that's really special that you had that experience. Yeah. And like, they all have their own things going on now as well. So, you know, it's just a matter of, of differences in what we want to do, I think. Definitely. Well, you mentioned that like your sound, you feel is very different from your previous record to Withdraw. What was it like kind of putting together Withdraw versus that? Um, recording or writing or both or? Both, I'm thinking. Okay. Um, so I think... I had for the first record it it was it felt a bit more like these are all the songs we have and we happen to have 12 songs and they're all good and we like them uh let's make an album which is fine and a great way to make an album um but for withdraw I think I had the word withdraw in my head and then I wrote like 13 songs or however many songs there are for recording, we recorded the first album in Southampton with The Ranch, um, which is a super cool studio. It's where place people, if you know Milk Teeth or mm -hmm. Creeper. Yeah. Um, places that like the really cool sound and um, that was good. But uh, we, I mean, frankly, we had less money back then. So we had how many days? Three. So we did, we tracked it live and we did, we did all the, all the stuff in two days. And then I sang everything, did all the vocals in one day. Um, and doing all the vocals in one day is a lot. Um, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so to do it all over one weekend um, and then to go home and wait while it's mixed and mastered is is a fine way to do it again. And like that's how we did it as record. And I'm I'm I'd much rather do that if I have to, you know, than you know record it by ourselves. And like having the ranch and having Dom Wright, who was the producer, was amazing. Um, but this time around, just because we toured more and because we were more established, like we just had a bit more money. Um, and so we, and also we, we chose to record with Rich Mandel from Happy Accidents. Um, oh, cool. And uh, because he's a friend and because uh, we recorded, we tracked the drums at the studio that Rich and I both, both work at. Mm -hmm. um, so there were kind of this, this time around, just coincidentally, the way it was that yeah, I think it took about eight days instead of three. And like, so I had four days to the vocals um, instead of one. And I think you can literally just hear me breathe more like, on the record. <laughs> I'm not just like rushing, hyperventilating my way through. <laughs> you weren't exhausted from recording all in one day. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, and I, I had time to like do a take, 
um, have a tea and then be like, oh, I'd like to do that line again. Or like, I was quite, I, uh, <laughs> it turns out I'm quite a particular vocal recorder. I, I can be quite like, no, I want, I want to do the, the, the second, um, the second and sounds wrong. So I want to record it again. Um, but like, yeah. And also like we, we, um, when we started Brighton for Withdraw, what we immediately did after we like knew the structure of it was the best way to learn the songs was to start playing them at shows. So mm -hmm. we've been playing these songs from Withdraw, some of them for about mm, year and a half, two years. Oh, so cool. yeah, so like going into the studio, like we knew the songs back to the front. So we really could just like smash them out in like two days and then spend six days like working on effects, what we want to do, how I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, so there was more time to breathe and to reflect and to, um, and there was less pressure because we knew exactly what we wanted. Recording with Rich was cool because like he loves fresh and I love happy accents. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of like everything he does, not only his music and his writing, but he produced my other band cheerleaders. So before we recorded withdraw, we recorded a cheerleaders EP and like working with him. Then I was like, Oh, this is so great. Like I know I want him to do fresh. He did a couple fresh songs before just to test it out. And it was fine. Like we had the exact same, we were on the same page. He knew what I wanted. He's a very respectful person and he's very mindful of the fact that like, I think, um, especially in engineering and producing, I don't know if this is just the UK, but it's quite hard to find, people who aren't cis men um, to work with your stuff. And Rich is a cis man, but I think he was very conscious of the fact that it's my art and he didn't want to overstep boundaries. And um, I really appreciated that. Like I felt very like listened to and humored um, in some cases where he, you know, he's, he's very talented and some, there were some decisions that I was saying and he was like listening to me and then he was like, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, but, it really should be this. And then he'd do something and I'd be like, oh yeah, that, that sounds way better. <laughs> so it was just like a cool collab basically. Um, whereas the first record has very much the same kind of like fresh sound, but um, we, I don't think we knew uh, we, we were as, as uh, knowledgeable and I don't think we were as confident. So I think that's the only difference. Like they're both, I, I like both the records. <laughs> No, that's really good. And I'm glad that you're able to kind of find that like confidence and stuff in your recording, your writing and all that. that sometimes shows like the next step, that evolution that we kind of talked about earlier in your music. Mm -hmm. So that's so great. You had that experience and the record is so tight musically, lyrically, mm -hmm. everything about it. I'm such a big fan. Like this is easily <laughs> one of my top five records of the year already. And oh, like, absolutely. And like, the thing is, is I think what it was is I picked up a lot on some of the themes that are kind of wrapped within this record. Like I felt like a lot of it was like finding kind of like realizing some self-assurance and pushing back on things that were kind of told to you or how you kind of need to feel at certain times in your life. Was that kind of your intent throughout the record? Totally. Like um, I think my entire experience from 14 onwards has just been really like realizing these big things um, fundamental big life things and then and then it's re it's like realizing things and trying to unlearn things and trying to move on from bad experiences is a horrible uncomfortable experience and it's like it goes uncomfortable 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 and then you come out the other side and you get positive uh, results yeah um, so like a lot of the songs are about like exploring these really horrible uncomfortable places but then um, what comes out of it is normally just like a huge relief and kind of um, quite, it's quite cathartic, I always say. 
Like it's really cathartic when um, I write a song about a particular time that wasn't a good time or a particular struggle. And then um, not only do I bring it to like three people I respect so much and they validate it and they make it a beautiful piece of art with me, um, which is my bandmates, but then I can take it to like random people in different cities and they will also interact with it. And then, yeah, and it just, it's like a, a, a link of getting into a community, which is how I feel in the UK, like because of just me expressing my feelings um, and dealing with stuff, um, I've made friends. And I think that's just so weird and cool. And it's like a horrible, uncomfortable beginning, but a, a really bewilderingly cool end, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I believe it. I, feel I don't like know it's... if that makes sense. It does, because like, I feel like it's hard to express yourself so honestly, but you make such genuine friendships when you are that honest, whether it's in your music or as a person. And that's one of my favorite things about a lot of independent mm -hmm. music is that like, you know, that's how you build these like unexpected friendships and relationships in the community is because it's like, wow, I just was completely transparent with what I created and like people are receiving it. Okay. Yeah, I love and, like that. it. You know, like nobody can can do that completely by themselves. Like you need people to support you and stuff. And it's an ordeal, but it's so worth it. Like, and I, you know, every day, like I still have issues with it and I still censor myself loads. And like, I saw you tweet something earlier today that was like, I appear way more extrovert than I actually am. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like that's such a thing. I feel a lot of women and non-binary people um and queer people in the scene find like yeah there is i think but i think it's a really good tool that we're using like we are affirming ourselves it's not comfortable all the time and it's difficult but i think even pushing through that can be really rewarding so yeah definitely <laughs> oh, i'm glad that tweet resonated with you because like i don't know it it's it's hard it's hard to just be that so transparent hard. but like it, it pays off though in such big ways because it's like that honesty whether it's something that's like virtual, like being on the internet or like in your music or whatever art that you do and stuff, that goes such a long way for people. Yeah, for ages, I just couldn't use Twitter because every time I like opened the tweet writer, I don't know what it's called, and started typing, like my brain would be like, shut up, like, what are you saying? Like, this is ridiculous. Same. No one wants to hear this. And I'd be like, ugh, and I just cancel the tweet. But now I just tweet and then I just leave. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then every time I tweet something and I'm like, this was a stupid thing or you are dumb and you put your face out there and everyone hates you. I'll like, <laughs> and then I'll come back. And then there's like some people who are like, hey, you're really nice. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was wrong again. <laughs> Same. I do the same thing all the time where I'm just like, this is literal shit posting garbage and people right? and like responding <laughs> to it. I'm just like, okay, so it's, it's okay for being myself slash being this like mega geek as a brand. It works, I guess. Yeah. And like, you never think that about someone else. Like if I see another woman who's like tweeting something, I'm like, oh, they're great. But then like, <laughs> for me, of course the rules are different. Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh, it's just such, it's such, I think everyone, nearly everyone has it and there's such pressure mm -hmm. to appear so kind of like collected and badass and like, you know, everyone's trying to get there. We're all, we're all struggling. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. And like, I don't know, I, that experience and those emotions translate so well, I feel like in your music too. Cause like, 
I think about the song Willa a lot where it's like, I feel like you're showing how you present yourself with like your safe stage presence and like owning this confidence that's like, you know, you have it when you're on stage. Sometimes it's difficult off the stage and stuff, but like you're projecting that energy and stuff and it pays off because it sounds like within the song and maybe for you personally outside of that, it's like once you kind of start to push that confidence forward, it kind of sticks with you to some extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. but that makes it sound like it's a negative thing. Like it's not faking it. It's just like projecting it and just like um, kind of like putting aside or suspending disbelief, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then gradually you, it makes more room for it, I guess. Yeah. I, I like the phrase fake it till you make it, but yeah. I don't like the connotations of fake because it's not fake. It's just something that was in you, you know, it's something that was pure that was in you, but you were, you, you, were, you know, too self, self insecure to, to bring out. And um, so, yeah, but yeah, like that, I did want that with Willa. Like that was what I was going for. Um, so that's cool. <laughs> Definitely. It's like, I could feel you personally just embracing yourself and like, you know, not letting anything stop you. And that's one of the things I loved about that song. Like that's, probably one of my favorite songs on the record for that reason because that's an experience we all need to have yeah fuck yeah like it was that exactly and like yeah and like it's you're on stage for only like five percent of your life which sucks um Mm -hmm. but like my friend or like well (laughs) well she's super cool but I've only met her like twice but um (laughs) head of flow coaches um uh, she she once said I think she said it on twitter I don't know um she said like I don't get stage fright I get real life fright and it's so true because like stage fright, I've never been nervous on a show. I love performing. Like I don't, you know, whatever. But then, you know, it's once you're off stage, you don't have, you know, the support of your band and you're kind of just going through life and you're not on tour. That stuff gets really difficult. Sure. Um, and, you know, like I can, I can stand on stage and sing all these songs about how I'm not like a sexual object for men to look at. But then if a man at merch literally two seconds later is fucking like, disrespecting me and coming on to me I'm too scared to say anything and then I go home and I'm like oh my god I'm a fucking fake like it's not all fault that people um are you know disrespecting you and it's a process and just because you're not a hundred percent this thing all the time doesn't mean that you're a fake it just means that you're a human who's you know maybe quite young and like I've still got some like confidence to get in my life and some life experience and I do feel like people expect a lot of young women musicians and that's great but also it's a lot of pressure and it's not necessarily fair and just because Mitski for example says an amazing beautiful uh analytical statement about how she's not here to be commodified yeah is powerful all the time and you know people have to hold her up on a pedestal that you know I'm using Mitski because like she's super cool as an example but um yeah and I just I I I wrote Willow because I wanted to be like oh well women can be vulnerable as well and women can be can need support and that's fine like I'm not you know it's not like the I don't know yeah and I, I still wrestle with that a lot and I find that quite difficult but I think I think it's a cool conversation to have maybe (laughs) definitely because at that point it's like it shows how dimensional you are as a person as a performer 
And like, it's, it's the truth of it. We all need people to support us. And it, you know, it can be other women, it can be other just non-men or people of color, LGBTQI. It's like, it's super important to be able to know that like, you know, it's like, yeah, I project this confidence and I have this skill and ability and I feel safe on, in this space, but um, there are other layers to me and there's complexity and challenges. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. No one's one dimensional. And that's the problem where like, people are always trying to put you into one one category or mm-hmm. thing and less and less so as music develops and as more um, LGBTQ people and as more non-binary people and women and trans people just start to express their voices people are starting to realize like oh no you can't easily categorize everyone that sucks how can we market <laughs> this how can we monetize this how can we make this a brand well maybe you can't because it's just it's just human experiences and uh, I think that is throwing the, the music quote-unquote music industry into a bit of um, panic and a bit of disarray but good disarray, I think. They need it. <laughs> the industry needs it. That's for damn sure. Getting shaken up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I don't know. I just, I love that your music kind of accomplishes in that sense too. Cause it's like, whether it's like sonically with the music or the lyrics in that sense too. Like I love the energy that you pump into like going into, going to Brighton with like <laughs> just the, the detail of like just the light on the bedroom wall, the aesthetics. It was just like, this is my jam. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> thanks I think that that's a typical mountain goats thing probably like I love I'll always when I write like lyrics I'll always there'll be a thing like light on a bedroom wall and then I'll I'll think well what comes out of this and then it'll escalate or snowball Mm -hmm. and then suddenly a song is there and that's that's how I write um and I think that's really cool because it's very spontaneous and like Mm -hmm. um it always just feels lovely when it when the song's written it's hard because it's not something that I can like plan for or kind of plan ahead and be like, the song will be written on Thursday and it will be about the implications of blah, blah, blah and that because that that's just not how I work. And like, there's so many like writers um, who work like that and who can make these beautiful songs, but that's, then you know, I'm envious of that, but I shouldn't be because everyone has their own process. But uh, yeah, and then like the songs are always just like super like, as they're demos, they're acoustic and I'll, do a voice memo of them and it'll just be some chords and me singing all the lyrics. But then when I take them to George and Miles and Dan, they like, they become like a punk song. Like I think the energy and like the, the loudness and the kind of just raw, like, like uh, celebration of the songs is like completely like a thing that they add. Like they have a fantastic energy when we play live and like, people always say like we're so happy on stage and our lyrics are so bleak and it's like yeah it's like me and then bringing it to the others and then kind of injecting that happiness and like um I think like that's that's where they make like the magic of the song for me anyway (laughs) no that's good because like if anything and I always like songs that come across like sonically upbeat but there's heavy subject matter too because I think it sometimes makes it easier for you to process and understand the experience and like you revisit it more whenever it's like it has that pleasant kind of intonation to it yeah a lot of my favorite bands do that in that sense and that's probably why I'm more reflective and introspective now because it's like yes I'm dancing along but I'm thinking about things too exactly like growing up like my parents all they listened to was like ABBA Elton John, Queen, ELO, uh, like, you know, like really hooky, like Madonna, really like poppy stuff. And I think I love a good harmony. I love like a hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I love pop, like, and they are definitely not mutually exclusive exclusive with like um with introspection and with depth and stuff and i think that's why women in pop right now like sharon van etten mm-hmm. like all these amazing like maybe more established mainstream women artists are suddenly like exploding and it's because people have realized that women in pop can suddenly be emotionally um, vulnerable and kind of uh contain multitudes and still be a pop artist and have these fucking bangers mm-hmm. um like lizzo as well like um and it's just crazy and like in a way more smaller scale that's what i want to do it fresh like i want people to dance and have a good time and i want to make like catchy good songs um but that doesn't have to come at the expense of talking about something i think is important at all <laughs> Definitely. I think you're mega accomplishing that when I listen to songs like No Thanks and Punisher for that reason, because it's like, I love them. It's an examination of like confidence and like standing up against bullshit and harassment. And, God, yeah. like, I, love, I, I really do love the like breakdown kind of in Punisher though with like the grease like summer nights. <laughs> That was yes. legit. <laughs> I did not write that in in the demo. Like we took it to like, we were all just standing in a room like jamming in our studio. Yeah. And, um, and I think George, because the bass line, I don't know, George was fucking about it. And then he was like, summer loving. I was like, oh, and Dan was like, oh my God, we've got to add that. <laughs> like that ended up there. And then Dan before, there's like a bit where it kind of goes into halftime. Yeah. Um, right before and Dan added that. Like they're very kind of like, um, maybe like producers like the way they think and like especially Dan actually like he can he can like he's the drummer of our band but he can like uh, point something out and be like this needs to go here and this needs to happen here and then you play it and you're like oh fuck yeah um but Dan and George have known each other for like 10 years mm-hmm. and before they knew me they played together in a hardcore band how oh, fun yeah Dan played bass um and George sang I think just sang not sure um so they've kind of got that that history between them and they work very well together and then like that's really cool um but like yeah Punisher was really fun for that reason because it just felt like we were like dicking about and like (laughs) had these like great like I already had these like I knew I wanted to make this point about this and I had the lyrics but that song was so just like let's like someone would suggest something like putting a grease bit at the end and we'd all be like that's ridiculous but let's do it and we can take (laughs) it away then it would just escalate and we never took it away like there should be a vibra slap in this and a wood block and like but yeah I love that I definitely love writing on the idea of let's do it and then take it away as opposed to let's not do it because like then you're not eliminating any potential I guess (laughs) well you're having fun with it and seeing where it takes you yeah and like the intro is just bass and guitar for like four measures whatever I'm not a musician technically so that's probably wrong but like it's a great opportunity for Miles and I because we're not playing to just have an absolute boogie on stage like (laughs) to just dance about like the same with the end of uh new girl like yeah um, it's just bass and then live I have a tambourine and Mars has the wood block and I just like stand on stage and I'm like and like shaking the stuff and usually the audience like want to laugh because it is ridiculous and it's funny and it's supposed to be yeah the subject matter of new girl like they're too polite to laugh yeah because no one wants to laugh a woman on stage um not definitely not um they should um at me (laughs) But, um, <laughs> so they're, they're like politely like ah, ooh, ah, like just trying to like 
That has to be fun for you to watch, honestly, as a performer. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I try to keep, like, it's really hard because I I want to tell people, like, it's okay. Like, this is supposed to be funny. You can laugh. But then (laughs) I wouldn't laugh. (laughs) So (laughs) if there was any chance that I was laughing inappropriately, um, I think that's cool. Like, we always try and make sure people know that it's a fun space and it's a safe space and they can... They can, um, there's definitely ridiculous bits of our sets. <laughs> so excited to see that, honestly. Just because oh, it's like, New Girl in particular, it feels like y'all had fun recording that one too. Yeah, hell yeah. Like, um, I bought a, what did I buy? I bought a Boss Delay pedal just for that. Yeah? I kept it. Because like, yeah, and it was, yeah, a good decision. Like, um, yeah, what else about that? Um... Yeah, and like there was, my guitar part's like super minimal as well. Like it's like not even, it's like, I think ringing out chords, like mostly except the chorus. So like that's super cool. Cause it's like, that song definitely feels like, it's not a very long song. It's probably like two minutes, 20 or something, but it feels quite expansive and like flowy. Yeah. And I can just like, I, I'm really bad at dancing. Like I haven't got coordination. I'm not a dancer, <laughs> but and it's quite like I get quite self-conscious on how I move on stage and just how I how I am on stage. Sure, it's got such a good beat that like George and Dan have incorporated into it. In fact, that kind of disco beat was definitely kind of a a hop along, a nod to hop along. I like in, that. Yeah, like maybe in how simple or something like at the end when they go, we will both find out just not together. That was kind of your version of that. I feel yeah, like, I, I, like looking back, like I, I, I was listening to the album loads when we were writing. That, yeah. that definitely crept in. Um, so like, I love that. No, I'm not a very good dancer. And oh I probably on stage. Like people are allowed to laugh. Please laugh. Like we're laughing. <laughs> I promise I will when I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody started laughing. <laughs> no, that's so great. I love it though. And just like, oh my gosh. I think... Uh, that that particular just approach to the songwriting with New Girl though, just like that's probably one of the catchiest songs in my opinion from the record, just because it's just the way it's structured. So yeah, like I don't know, I just it just wrote it out in like a second, and then I brought it to Miles. He wrote some harmonies on. I brought it to the band, and that great disco beat came in. And oh, I love it. Like the way we write is like we we can write a song in like three minutes. Mm-hmm. But we'll only write a song that's really good and we put on our album like once every like three months but it's, <laughs> it's a challenge yeah like everything happens just immediately and then I always have like my my phone out record on the, the voice memos out recording shit yeah so, yeah and like it just happens it's so great and spontaneous like it really it feels like almost like magical and kind of telepathical like that we're all on the same wavelength and just this riff just came out of nowhere and we're like ah great <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love it when bands do that. That's for sure. Well, I talked about a lot of songs that I'm really excited about off of Fresh, but off, excuse me, withdraw. But um, what do you have a favorite song on the record that like stands out to you or maybe just one you like to play live a lot? Yeah, I mean, like they, they take they have like everyone has like a personality. Like I'm really proud of No Thanks. Yes. Lyrically, it was quite like an adventurous song. It was like me quite like going out on a limb mm-hmm. and like it's quite like a blur of brain just not really censoring myself like it feels quite like stream of consciousness so I'm proud that. of that one I also love the way it was kind of structured like Rich our producer really had fun with it and like there's a lot of delay on my vocals and I've never done that before but I think it sounds beautiful with like the the ooze underneath and like I was really blown away by that um 
I like nervous energy. That's really fun live. We've been opening with that. I don't know if we will be with the fest. We probably will. <laughs> uh, what else? I, uh, going to Brighton is super fun because you yeah. can just out with it. Um, getting ready, I really like as well. I, I was like not really like convinced on it and then Dan pushed for me to write verses for it and was like, no, let's make this a song. And like it's really heavy live as well because there's another halftime bit that Dan wrote in. Um, you can tell the hardcore influence comes in there. Love um, it. And, and there's like a, it's like the last track of the album, but it's a reprise mm-hmm. to Punisher. And that was the only song that, I mean, I didn't really write it because I did the vocals for it and then I moved away to France for a year. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, like three months later, when Rich was making mixing the record, he like sent me this beautiful kind of like 30, 40 second like Casio tone influence song that's got like beats and Rich even sings on it. Actually, he's doing some of the ooze and like that song is just completely like that was another song that Dan pushed for and kind of had the idea for. And I think he, he coordinated a lot of it, but I wasn't really there when that song was made. And that's really weird because like Fresh is my band, but I wasn't really, you know, um, part of making that song except for the vocals. And that was cool. Um, But yeah, like I like all the songs. Um, Definitely have favorites, but just favorites because they're fun to play live, not favorites because of like the writing on them or whatever. Um, And I think the rest of the band will have the ones that like they really pushed for and like coordinated when we were writing like George kind of really wanted in over my head to go on the record mm-hmm. Miles kind of basically forced us all to keep writing for revenge I love that um, yeah like there was some songs where like I would bring down and be like no it's stupid no we can't do this and then one of them would be like no Dan was getting ready um yeah so <laughs> we've all I think they're like their their personal like pet projects or whatever that they're super into and I like them also <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. Uh, you can just tell how much y'all really love the music and how much you love the songs on this record. That's for sure. Oh, we're just so proud. Like, cause we did so much on the first record. We toured, we went so far, we like, we went everywhere and like, finally, like, and like, we've been so excited about these songs cause since we wrote them, we've just really been into them. And like, it's just so good cause you, you get, you lose sight of, you forget that, anyone else is out there and you're just writing and writing and planning for the release and doing the admin stuff and specialist subject who are our our record label um have been so so good with us like just like helping us with so much stuff and doing so much mundane stuff that like um that's so necessary but I don't know how to do um and like you do that you forget why you're doing anything and then the release day comes and then everyone really likes it as much as you do. And you're just, and I just feel so like validated. And I think oh, that's you how- deserve that. Thank you. Like, it's just crazy because like, yeah, like it's, I, I'm not musically, technically um, very like um, knowledgeable. And like, I'm not, you know, like I, I never, you know, it's just so cool that people across the world are, are supportive of Fresh and that I get to make cool new friends such as yourself. <laughs> Aww, I love hearing that. And, <laughs> yeah, I know you probably feel like you're not that technically inclined, but that record begs to differ. That's for sure. You have a ton of talent. That's, I, I can't say that anymore. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm really excited for everybody to continue to hear Withdraw this year and such. Um, as you're kind of starting to get kind of some reviews and do interviews and stuff, I'm sure you're thinking a lot on the record. Um, what's something that you really want your listeners to get out of Withdraw? I mean, 
I think, I, I do think that talent is a myth. I just think that like, if you are the kind of person who wants to sit down, especially with music and just make your art, like that is, that is your art and that is great. And like, I want people to take that out of withdrawal that like, if you work with other people and if you are really invested in what you do, like great things will come out of it. And like, especially if you're a woman, maybe a young girl, uh, you're non-binary if you're trans if you're queer or lgbtq like i think that's just such an important message and um it is so and like it's not easy like you feel so alone sometimes because you're like against so much bullshit and there's so many like horrible like people doing you know like doing horrible things and you feel so alone but you're not and it's not easy, but it's worth it because I was only able to do this band because of other like visible representation and seeing other women play on stage. Um, and like, like recently I was invited to be the guest judge for my high school battle of the bands. What? Like, That's awesome. Yeah, like my old high school, obviously I'm not in high school. Um, <laughs> and like, I went back Um I have two younger sisters and they go to the school as well. It's like an all girls Catholic school. Um, yeah in London and like seeing these girls just shred like just knowing in like five years time London's gonna have a whole new like wave of bands with these young women in them like it just reaffirmed everything for me and just made me so like relieved and thankful that like and like honored that I would be a judge and it was suddenly my job to tell them like that was amazing and like this needs harmonies and stuff like that like I did not feel like I should be telling them anything but um yeah I would like people to just like understand that like the rock star thing is like disappearing rock stars do not exist um we're not a diy band because we have a label but we 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 come from that community and i want people to understand that there's no um there's no special set of like god-given talents that anyone has it's just what you want to express i love that that's just so beautifully <laughs> said and that's so important like anybody can do this you just have to decide to and connect with the right people that will support you and what you want to do. Yeah, it's like Haley, who I follow, who I think is the coolest person ever. They play an absinthe father. Yes. I've never said that name aloud, so I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> I believe you pronounce it right. You're good. Um, but like, I think that for a long time, I don't know if it's still the case in their Twitter bio, was like, anyone can play guitar, especially you. And that is like a mantra in my head. And like, I am so inspired and like grateful that I just that they exist because like I feel like in the US as well they are um you know to me they represent like the cool aspect of US funk music because it's just like <laughs> like take it into your own hands and like the power of just yourself and your community and support in that way and like not the power of some you know older men who want to monetize your band like it was always really important to me that my label isn't completely men and like Andrew is a man but Kay is the other half special subject yeah. and they run together completely equally and they bring their own talents and I think yeah and as somebody who's the only um, woman in in my band I, I kind of do worry sometimes that maybe that's hypocritical on my part but I don't think it is because a band like a band isn't just the four musicians like it's it's all the community around them and I, I think you know and like, in fact, that's why I started my other band, Cheerbleeders, because Phoebe from Happy Accidents and Sophie from Finish Flag, those two bands are just them and then all male um, band members. And we were like, 
we, you know, we love our band members, we love our bands, our main bands, but like, let's try and write together as women. And that was great. So yeah, people should be open to, like, don't be afraid of fucking up and making mistakes, just write. <laughs> I love that so much. And it sounds like you've got an awesome mashup with cheerleaders too, because that's, that's just stacked. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, that, that's really fun. Like, it's nice to not be the main songwriter and just like collab. <laughs> that sounds nice like so fun. Less pressure. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, you have collaborated with some really awesome bands from your area and stuff, and it's always fun to kind of see people kind of play with more and more different folks, whether it's from tours or whatever. But um, I always like to ask my guests these really cool questions here at the end. Um, if you could play with any three bands or mus musicians, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead, who would it be? Okay. Okay. I think I know two. One would be Hop Along, just okay. because love them. Fundamental to how I perceive women in music. Great. Tunes, bangers, great. I think it's quite stereotypical, but I think I would say Bikini Kill. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to go see them in London, which is Isn't that awesome? so crazy. Um, and Big Joni and the Tuts are supporting, which are bands kind of from our scene, which is like incredibly exciting. Um, one more band I would have to, let me think, My Chemical Romance, I think. Yeah. Bring back my chem. I feel like oh. that's something we've been chanting for years. <laughs> I don't even know if that, yeah, I don't know if I would want them to come back, but if they came back and they made an album and it was really bad, but we got to tour with them, I would It'd take worth that, it for that glory. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, these are all, Bikini Kill is coming back. Let's be real at this rate. Yeah, that's crazy. Like I've never seen them in my lifetime. Like I think they broke up when I was born. I'm not sure. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much same here, same here. I was pretty young whenever they were active and stuff. So yeah. unfortunately I found them later in life, but you know, well, it's like, you can't be a toddler with really good music taste. <laughs> no, that's a difficult feat to accomplish. Let me tell you, <laughs> but, but like, uh, you know, hop on tours to Europe and the UK. So it's like, you never know that opportunity could happen for you at some point. I'm seeing them on Tuesday, actually. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's right, because they did. I think they posted from Brighton like today or something, so. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, yeah, like I would love to. Maybe we will, who knows, but that's fine if not. <laughs> I like to send vibes out into the universe because I always end up having these conversations with bands and then like they end up touring with, at some point with somebody that they mentioned in this conversation or like, Maybe you know. You. Maybe you've got a magic component to you. I like to think so. I think I have some witchy powers going on that I'm like completely unaware of, but it could be a little bit of that. It's either like they play with that band or like they play with somebody else that's like really important and stuff. So it's like, you never freaking know. I mean, I got so excited just seeing that you're touring with Slingshot Dakota and those are like, yeah. Carly and Tom are near and dear to my heart. Well, I've never met them. Um, I don't think anyone in my band has met them. And like, I'm so excited because they seem like the most posy people. Oh, like, you're going to love them for sure. Just as people alone. <laughs> yeah, like, they seem like so sweet and like so genuine. Like, <laughs> And also they seem like, very like self-care and focused. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's always really good for touring tour mates. Like, you know, you don't want to tour with someone who, who, you know, isn't sensitive or, you know, parties all the time. You want to tour with someone who knows, you know, the importance of drinking lots of water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crucial. Well, I'm sure you're going to have a blast doing that. Um, you have a lot of really cool tours, it seems like, coming up this year. Of course, coming to the U.S. for a little bit and such. Yeah. Um, what else is going on for 2019? 
Uh, so next, well, in exactly a week's time, we start our tour with Nervous. Nice. Um, who are amazing band from the UK and Koji, who is from Pennsylvania, I think. Love Koji. Yeah, definitely the East, the East Coast. I can't remember exactly where, um, but me too. And so I'm so excited for that. Um, and I think we're doing Manchester, London, Southampton, Bristol Acoustic In-Store, Cardiff Margate. So that's quite short. That'll be fine. And then we have Slingshot Dakota. Then we have uh, a couple of festivals. I think we're doing Indie Tracks, um, which is this amazing, like really kind of queer DIY community orientated um, like a uh, festival. Oh, it's cool. also on like the, the grounds of like this railroad and it's very like train themed, like lots of vintage trains. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool festival. So I'm excited for that. And then uh, Slingshot Dakota which I might have mentioned. And then we're supporting the Bets um, in, uh, in London. And we toured with them like o- over a year ago. And it was their first time in the UK. Um, and that was amazing. I'm such a huge fan of that band. Um, and I love Liz. Um, and then, yeah, the Fest will happen. And we're, we're planning for some other shows. Like, I'm not going to waste being in the US, definitely not. But I can't talk about it yet. But if it happens, it's very exciting. <laughs> awesome. Well, everybody's gonna have to make sure they keep an eye out and follow you on all these exciting tours and shows. Um, <laughs> where can everybody keep up with you and Fresh online? Um, Instagram and Twitter is the same handle. It is at Fresh Punks, and it's just punks like P-U-N-K-S. Um, Facebook, we're just Fresh. Spotify, we're Fresh. Bandcamp, we're FreshPunks.bandcamp.com. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Catherine. It's been so awesome getting to know you and talking to you about your music. Thanks for talking to me. Like, I'm honored to have been a guest. (laughs) Yay!
Start Fresh. Thank you so much to Catherine for reaching out and sharing all of what went into her new album, Withdraw. I can't wait to see an experience band later this year at the fest and really feel the impact of their new record in person. I consider Withdraw one of my favorite records of 2019, if not all time. I'm serious. I struggle to pick songs for the episode. That's how much I love it. So please consider supporting this brilliant band. If you're in Europe, they have some really awesome tours this summer, including with Koji and with our dear favorites on this podcast, Slingshot Dakota. So please support. Get to the gig. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. For more news, thoughts, and feels, or just all the podcast episodes, please feel free to visit angergirlmusic.com. You'll see the latest from me there. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work, and let's chat. Till next time, stay angry, and take care of yourselves out there.